I really go back to this the act of confidence comes before the feeling. So many people are waiting for that moment of confidence before taking that leap to do something that they're uncomfortable with, but you're going to be waiting forever. Yeah. Just take that leap, have a go at something. If you fail, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You learn something. In 1837, Horace Mann created the education system, a system at the time designed to pump out factory workers and professors. The same system that is still being used today in the 21st century. Now, man's system is backfiring. We are being molded by the same industrial system that has existed for close to 200 years. That system delivers us into a digital economy that has no need of our outdated skills. This isn't our teacher's fault. This isn't the government's fault. This is due to a rapidly changing world full of technology and unforeseen circumstances. And us Gen Zs are caught in the middle. Welcome to the Driven Young Podcast, the podcast for stressed, overwhelmed young Australians, teaching you practical life skills you can implement now to set yourself up in life. And now your host, Byron Dempsey. Welcome back to the Driven Young Podcast. And today I'm joined by pro surfer Cooper Chapman. Cooper recently had me on his podcast called Good Humans, and we really connected, so I invited him on the show. Cooper is a professional surfer and has been surfing since he was 10 years old. Having achieved incredible results as a surfer, he also runs a company called The Good Humans Factory and focuses on providing mental health education to young Australians via school workshops. In this conversation, we discuss Cooper's upbringing as a pro surfer in Australia, why he got into mental health education, the importance of meditation, gratitude, getting out of your comfort zone, and how to sharpen your claws every time you get knocked down, and of course, much, much more. As per usual, please DM me or Cooper on Instagram if you enjoyed the episode. I've just launched my new website if anyone wants to check that out, and make sure you sign up to my brand new newsletter series called 20 Things You Must Stop Doing in Your 20s. You can sign up via the link below. Now, over to Cooper. Cooper, welcome to the podcast. Mate, great to be here. Back in the room. Back in the room. Yeah, back in the room. Last week you were here interviewing me. You were just like, hey, you're going to come on the podcast? I was like, yeah, sure. And you're like, can we use your studio? I was like, sure. Yeah, I was like, I've got got my little like micro um, portable studio and I was like, I'll come to yours. And I was like, there's no point in setting mine up. I'll just jump on yours. Easy for me. I can just come downstairs. So yeah, that was good fun. So guys, go check that out. Definitely. That's, I guess, Cooper interviewing me. Bit of a different style more about my story but today we've been talking about you um so you know as we're kind of talking off camera we're both in the same space mm. yeah here we are we should have met a year ago we should have yeah. met two years ago absolutely but for some reason we didn't and it, it blows my mind how even like three years into this i'm still meeting people who are like speaking at schools and kind of not achieving the exact same mission but doing something very similar to me yet we're only connecting now which is just weird to me because I don't know how that hasn't happened. But and we've got so many connections. I know like, a so lot of many your mutuals. guests. Like that's how I saw you. Like a lot of my really close friends had been guests on here from like Fabio yeah. to Sam Freaker to Steph, and I was like, all these people are like, I got to meet this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I got to get on that podcast one day because yeah, I feel yeah. like we're gonna have a good chat. So. Absolutely. No, I'm pumped again. Just like every episode, I don't know where we're gonna get down. Um, so I mean, you've got a lot to talk about. You're doing mental health workshops. You're an ex pro surfer, correct? Current pro surfer. Current pro surfer. Yeah, Sorry. No, Sorry. No, still it's surfer. So <laughs> um, you got some stuff going on. But before we get into that, I ask every question, every guest this question, what did you do after high school and what was like the mentality, what was going on in your head during that process? Yeah. So after high school, I was a professional surfer. I won like Australian titles when I was 16 and I'd represented Australia in junior world games my last four years of high school. So I was already very set on a path, like professional surfer, very yeah. head straight, professional surfer i was getting paid like in my last two years of high school i was getting paid like thirty thousand dollars a year to surf from sponsors so i was like i 
uni wasn't even in my mind. I did love school. Like, don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed school. I think because I traveled so much, I missed so much school in the last two years, but my attendance ended up being like, I missed one day because I went to a sports high. I was representing the right. school on an like international level. I was allowed to have time off. It was super weird, but... Well, it wasn't time off because you were... Yeah, I was representing the school, so yeah. it worked out fine. And then I think you actually get like extra points in your ATAR if you represent yeah, the you state, do. and then you get like yeah. extra again if you represent the country. <laughs> but I didn't end up getting an ATAR because I knew I was like going into surfing. I had like a three-year contract after with Hurley, the surf brand. Um, so yeah, after school, that was my main goal. I went straight into... It's called the Australasia Junior Series. So mm. it's kind of the stepping stone as a pro surfer. You go from the junior events under 16 then you go to the under 21 events um and i had quite a bit of success there my first two years after school i got second in the junior series like out of the like 200 people in australasia so my path was kind of set and that was my main vision my main goal i stepped up to the world qualifying series we call it from quite a young age at like 19 i started competing on the international tour and that was kind of the goal and the path for the next yeah three to five years really after school i was lucky to be getting paid pretty good money i was i mean not amazing i was making like 50 grand a year but that was pretty doing, good when i was just you love. yeah just to go surfing and i was traveling the world and yeah. like living the best life um but my parents were always like very big on me my mum's always like you gotta like continue education as well really? so i did like a business management course at tafe that i look back and it was just a waste of two grand yeah, yeah. but it kept the brain ticking over but yeah that was the path after school i was just like surfing was the big goal the dream to like qualify for the top 30 in the world which yeah. i haven't quite got there but yeah, kind of shifting into other avenues now as well. Amazing. I mean, maybe let's go back even further because I remember I was talking with um, one of my old mentors and he was just like, when we were talking about like how to figure out what you want to do, there's very few people, there's some people in the world who just know what they want to do. Mm. Like he used Kelly Slater as an example. He was like, fuck Kelly Slater. This guy just knew what he wanted to do from, from like six years old and then he's yeah. a world champion, right? You got in pretty early. Like, what was the process like? Were you just surfing your whole life as a kid? That was a culture that you got pretty good at it and you thought maybe I can turn this into something? Is that, is that how it went? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I started surfing when I was like oh, nine, ten years old. I had quite a bit of talent from a very young age. I got sponsored and started doing well. Like in surfing, you kind of have junior events. You have under mm. 12s, 14s and 16s. And from when I was like 11, I was sort of in the top two to three guys in Australia my whole junior career. Yeah. So I felt like I was kind of destined. I, my older sister's best friend was like a little young pro surfer as well, like three years older. And she like won like the world juniors. And like, so that kind of path was set. The beach that I grew up at at North Narrabeen was very thick, like with surfing talent. Mm. It's like kind of renowned with one of the top two surfing beaches in Australia. So there was a very set path really for like people with talent coming from that beach. And I was kind of the most promising from the area. Yeah. Like kind of in the Northern beaches, I was like the top surfer for my age group. So it was a pretty clear set path, but I've always been very curious as to not just be a surfer. Yeah. I've seen so many people have burnout and sort of loss of identity once they don't get to that goal. And I've always been very, I think like not naive that I might not get there. I've always been really like, sick. Oh, I wonder, yeah, really stick around it. Like, Oh, what if not? So I've always wanted something else. And yeah, I've kind of found that now, but yeah, through school, it was kind of epic. I knew like, yep, surfing's my thing. I loved like rugby union. I played like, High level representative. Oh, union, really? Yeah, I played. I, I played union with um, a few of the guys who were in my team are like one's captain of the Eels now, Clinton Guthers, and I used to pick him up like three days a week no and way. take him to footy training. That's sick. Because I grew up in New Zealand. Oh yeah. So like unions, just you know, massive. It's, yeah, it's huge. It's and, everywhere. And then like Reese Hodge, who like plays for the Wallabies yeah, now. Yeah. He um he used to play for Manly and he'd play against me. Um, and we were like kind of always versed each other. He was like the one gun guy from Manly, and we played for Warringah and did really well. 
And then it was funny, like years later, like last year when I was looking for guests for my podcast, my dad's like, you should message that Reese Hodge guy. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I remember that guy. He used to smash me. And yeah, he's, he's like, a big boy. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like the main play, one of the main guys in the Wallabies now. I was like, no way. Like, I haven't even watched that much Union in a long time. And I like yeah. messaged him and he was like, yeah, man, I remember you. You were that surfer guy. And it was like funny how like you look back and you like look at someone playing for the Wallabies and I'm like, holy shit, like this guy ain't going to write back to me. And now yeah. I'm like, oh, people, we're all just like, Oh, it's doing their thing, eh? Yeah, yeah. No, but, that's unreal. That's awesome. But it is interest, interesting point when from like 11 years old, you're like, this is my pathway because you haven't had a chance to explore anything else. So there's probably that itchy feeling in the back of your head, like, I love what I'm doing and everything. But as you mentioned, what if it doesn't work out? Or what if I, you know, I retire at 25 or 30 or I have an injury or something which knocks me out and I've just, that's all I've got. So you, it's looking like now you've kind of shifted gears. You're still surfing, right? Absolutely, yeah. So I'm still competing and still like traveling and doing it. I'm just working out how to mold it. Like last year, I still went on the top 10 Australians that go on the Challenger Series and got to travel all around the world the end of last year. But I just got some really good advice when I was younger. I got to travel so much. Like mm. I was looking at my old passport and I went to Indonesia, I think nine times between 14 and 19 years old. Yeah. So I was like traveling so much and I just learned so much about the world and so many cultures and realized like, there's so much more to this like structured life that we kind of see at, mm. in Australia from like finish school, go to uni, get a girlfriend, buy a house. Like that just seems so like unrealistic, unrealistic for me because I'd seen so much life all around the world. Mm. And then I got this bit of advice from this surfer. I remember it so clearly when I was like 16 and I kind of said to him like, Oh, what am I going to like? What's, what did you do? Like, what if I don't get there? And he's like, even if you're going like $20,000 debt, but you travel the world for the next 10 years as a professional surfer and don't get there. You've spent 10 years yeah. living exactly the life that everybody dreams they're having and mm. you've spent 20 grand that you have to pay back. Yeah. Like that's better off because I was always real scared about money going like, oh, I don't want to go into debt to do it. And now I'm just like, far out, what's 20 grand? Like you can just work hard for a few months and be sweet. But also like this is a, it's an interesting point. I mean, you've listened to a few of my podcasts, you know my opinion on stuff, but like it's like when people say, an often argument I get when I say, oh, I'm not a big fan of university, they say, oh, so if you had someone who had a degree and someone who didn't, um, who would you be more likely to employ? Well, it's like, well, hold on. You're not factoring in what this person could have done in the three years mm. with that money. Like, let's, it's a $40,000 degree. If, if you for 10 years, that's for three years. If you for 10 years spent 20 grand traveling the world, building experiences, building a network, allowing you to probably like come home and start a business or start a podcast like you have, that's so valuable. And the life experience. Like you would look back on this time and be like, I, I took advantage of my 20s when so many people look back and go, I wasted my 20s or I just, mm. my 20s were to set me up for my 30s, which is fine, but also you could still enjoy them. Yeah, don't and, get me wrong. I'm, I'm like so aware of how privileged and lucky I am that I had that talent and kind of got and to travel. Born in the right like, area. Yeah, born yeah, in the yeah. right area, like had the talent. Like, I mean, my family definitely like didn't come from wealth or anything and couldn't like crazy support me, but I was lucky I was sponsored from a young age and quite high achieving from a young age that like, I never got in like a real bad financial position. Mm. But then when I was like 23, I lost my major sponsor and that was kind of a big turning point for me. So it was like 23, lost my major sponsor and I had this fork. It was like, all right, you need to go and get a job to be able to fund your career. Like cost me like 40 to 60 grand a year just in travel because I'm like- Are you not not getting paid to travel? No, no, no. So like the sponsor would pay me 50 grand and then I had to spend that money to go around to like- nine overseas trips right. a year. Okay. and then there's a bit of prize money as well mm. so that's fine when you're getting paid and i kind of like cruised on that a bit played a heap of golf when i was in my early yeah, 20s i yeah. like, didn't realize the opportunity i had to like try and must like bustle down and actually 
make it work. And don't get me wrong, I trained super hard. I surfed every day, but I just enjoyed myself. And then I got to like 23 and my sponsor was like, all right, unless you're in the top 10 in the qualifying series, which was a tour I'd been on, only 10 out of like 200 every year get it. And they're like the top 10 surfers in the world, basically. And I'd been kind of from like 10 to 30 for the last like five years. Mm. I just hadn't quite had that breakthrough. My sponsor was like, unless you're in that top 10 this year, we're going to pull your funding and you're going to have to like give it up. Rough. So that happened and I didn't quite get that. I think I got like 23rd that year, like super close, like still. Just still huge. Still ranked like 50th on the planet in surfing. Yeah, yeah. But they were like, sorry, you're not good enough. So then I had this decision to make. I was like, I didn't have any money saved because I'd been traveling like nine, 10 overseas trips a year. Mm. And I was like, what am I going to do? I can either feel sorry for myself and quit and like go get a job or I can go work full time for like a week or like two, three weeks, save the money and then spend that on the next surf comp, come back, work full time. So then I came, it was big like mental changes to like deal with that sort of ego of like, oh, like, yeah, you know what, screw this. Like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. No one wants to support me. Why should I like be spending? And that was a big maturity kind of shift for me. I was like, you know what? This is epic. I go and work for like three weeks. I did surf school work for like six months and it was fun, but it was just like kind of made me lose the love of the ocean and surfing because mm. I was in the water all day. Mm. And then I went and did like carpentry for two years. So I'd go and work for like two to three to four weeks in between events, make my like thousand bucks a week laboring. And then luckily my boss would let me go away. And then I'd go away for two to three weeks for a surf comp. And then like, I'd go to the comps and people and the commentators and stuff would be talking to me. And they're like, Oh, like I used to look at it with this mindset, like, Oh, I feel sorry for myself. I'm doing this. But then mm. I just fully shifted my mindset. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm like working for three weeks next to other tradies. And then I'm going away for three weeks surfing mm. And like trying to feel sorry for myself that I'm the guy that has to work and the other guys are sponsored. But then I'm like, you know what? Perspective's everything. Mm. These guys on the work side at home aren't going away for this three week yeah, surf yeah. and I'm coming back to work with them and they haven't done anything but work. Depends who you're comparing yourself to. Exactly. So that was like a big mindset shift for me and kind of that really matured me. I think it was like, you know what? You can look at everything in so many different ways. And that was a big one for me to be like, you know what? This is actually pretty sick. Like can't complain. Like I've had it so good for so long and now mm. I just had to shift my mindset. But yeah, it's been a crazy journey. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. That that I love that mindset shift. Like it's mm. it's so important. You know, mindset when you enter the personal development world is that word that comes up all the time. To the point where it's almost like ah, oh, everyone talks about mindset, but it's like the most important thing. Mm. And it is it, it can be as simple as a little shift like that, a perspective shift. You go, yeah. oh, I'm comparing myself to the top surfers who are getting sponsored. I'm not comparing myself to the tradies who are just still working while I'm out here surfing. Exactly. And so there's advantages and disadvantages. But if you just focus on that, and that's where like in Australia, I'm just like, people complain about everything in Australia. And I'm like, guys, you would know, you've been to Indonesia, you've been to these other countries. We have it so good here. Yeah. The fact that you're complaining about it just blows my mind. Like you have no perspective. Stop comparing yourself to like mm. the top rich people in Bondi and the North Shore and everything and compare yourself to the rest of the world. You're in the top 1%. Exactly. And it's different. It's funny. Like I talk about this in my workshops and I've just like brought it in. I, I think I subconsciously got inspired by you, but it's nice. like we all kind of start this running race that's life at completely different spot, start spots, but we all think we start at the same spot and we're like compare where we're at. Like if you think of it like there's a million different start points, why would you expect anyone to be like at the same finish line right now? It's like you go into school and everyone's expected to like get the same like marked out of 100. It's like, well, we're all starting at a completely different start point. Mm. So why would you expect us to be at the same point once we get to this timeline of our life? Mm. It's a don't compare your chapter one to someone's chapter eight. Exactly. And is that like um, that graphic where it's got like, I think I did Einstein say it. Yeah. Something like Einstein said you wouldn't, like give a, a monkey a class or like if you've got like a, a goldfish, an elephant, 
what, a dog and a monkey and it's the first person to climb to the top of the tree. Exactly. That's not a fair test. Exactly. Because people are different, just like those animals different. Clearly the monkey's going to win because you're playing against its advantages. Absolutely. And it's the same thing in life. And that's why empathy is so important. That's yeah. like one of the main things I talk about in my workshop is like you gather empathy through understanding of exactly that story. It's like if you have this understanding that we all start on a different level, we mm. can't compare ourselves to where we're at now. That's like such a powerful thing when it comes to empathy. Yeah, it's the balance. It's it's kind of like the yin and yang balance of just like when we're talking about that. Because I feel like every time I say something, like for example, I'll talk about it, you've got to work really hard, right? But then don't work too hard. Yeah. It's like don't work yourself to the bone. But then I was like, but then it, I don't want people to be like, oh, I shouldn't work hard. I should live my 20s. And then they're fucked for the rest of their life. Yeah. You've got to find that balance. It's the same with like empathy. Like you want to be empathetic towards people, but you don't want it, you don't want to let it like get too far where you just, don't do anything. Exactly. And so it's kind of figuring out that balance and that's a tussle between your, your personal opinion on, on things. Mm. But it, 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 it transfers across so many areas in life. Well, just, it comes back to like just having strong values and this is yeah. like a massive part, massive shift in why I got into the work that I'm doing. Which is, sorry, do you want to explain what you're doing? Yeah. So, so you, you're so, pro-surfer, but then you've, yeah, you've so, now started, and why we've connected. Yeah. So you're starting to work with a lot of young people, right? Yeah, exactly. So I... Yeah, I guess I guess give the story is where the good human factory started, and it kind of starts from where I was going to go with where I was going to go with this values thing. So in my early twenties, I used to base my personal worth on my achievements, on my yes. goals, how I went if I kicked these goals. And as I said, my, my end of my teen years, I was doing really well in surf comps. I was up here all the time, and I was riding this roller coaster with not too many lows. Mm. And then I got to the world level and started like not quite achieving where I was at in the Australia level. And then I kind of was going down these like big up and down dips with like my mental health. And then I spoke to my psychologist and he's like, you got to stop basing your self-worth on your achievements and mm. your goals, like kicking your goals. Cause you're going to get there sometimes and it's not even going to feel as good as you're expecting. It's a Should- very male thing as well. Absolutely. Like men put their worth into their achievements. Mm. There's like, this is a generic sweeping statement, but like studies pretty much shown across the board that women are attracted Qualities of men are like status mm. and what they've achieved, whereas men are more attracted to like their physical attractions, mm. which has caused so many issues in society, yeah. which means women put their worth in their attractiveness and men put their worth in exactly, as you say, what their achievements are. Exactly. See, I spoke to my psychologist and kind of told him, I was like, oh, I'm like feeling real down on myself. It was right around that time that I lost my sponsor. And he was like, you got to not put your self-worth on that. You should put your self-worth on your values and mm. how well you live to your values. And that was kind of my start on the self-development journey. He's like, he gave me a few good books. He gave me Grit and the um, Confidence Gap, this other really good book by Russ Harris, and started to teach me the importance of trying to live by my values. So I did all this personal work around values and started to like improve my well-being a hell of a lot through reading a lot of self-development books and finding all these different great techniques. Fast forward a few years to when I was like 24 and my younger sister was in her last year of high school. And she lost a friend to suicide and came home and we're just at the dinner table. And she's like, she wasn't super affected by it. It wasn't a close friend, but just like a guy in a year taking his life. And I was sitting there at dinner. I remember it so clearly just going like far out, like kids should not, any kid should be, no uh, no kid kid should be taking their own life. Suicide shouldn't even be an option. Absolutely. But it is, which is really sad. So I was like sitting around going like far out. I wish I could do something like we all kind of say. Then two weeks later, she comes home and another friend had taken his life. Oh my God. Which is kind of a common thing. You get like yeah, copycat yeah. suicides because it kind of the one kid can't handle. But anyway, so I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm actually going to try and do something here. I can't just like sit and watch. I've had this privileged upbringing. I've learned some really good skills when it comes to my own mental health. And it started from a performance base as an athlete, but then I've learned all these skills. I'm like, wait, it's not just about an athlete. It's about just mindset, becoming a better person. 
And then I'd run a few surf camps for young kids. And one of the things I did in my like surf camps, like weekend camps was mindfulness and meditation, this drill where I'd get them to lie on their back and I'd just talk them through it and I'd get them to visualize. All right. So imagine this is one maneuver that you've never done before and you really want to do it. We're going to sit here and basically manifest it and talk them through like, all right, so let's go over it a hundred times. So you're lying there and they all just lie there on their back. It was like a meditation. And after the weekend camp, all the parents gave me feedback and they said, oh, all of them love the mindfulness meditation tasks, the best out of like the surfing, the skating, the training in the gym. They all love that the most. And I was like, interesting. I didn't think much of that. And then, yeah, when my sister lost her two friends, I was like, fire out. I want to go and help some kids. It initially started with, I'm going to go speak to young athletes because I felt like I could probably connect and relate with them. And then I went and spoke to my old school teacher told him what I was thinking. He's like, mate, there's a big market for it. It's like something that we need at schools and someone like you, young and engaging, will probably do really well. And I remember the conversation really well. It was like three years ago now. I was like, sweet, I'm going to like call schools. They're going to be like, yep, young pro surfer, come on in. Like thinking it was just going to be the easiest thing ever to book workshops. I mean, two years in now and I'm like, it's definitely not that easy. But um, yeah, so then I just start put, put together a little workshop with, the different values that I kind of live by that I felt like improved my mental health rather than coming in and talking about anxiety, depression, suicide. I was like, that stuff didn't help me when I was at school and I had a it's, workshop come in. It is very frustrating because like with Empower You, right, which is what I, men- I mentioned to you, we don't talk about mental health. Well, we, we do, but like we, it's not a mental health program. Exactly. But it also is. Like nothing's going to improve your mental health more than Empower You in my opinion and for, for bang for buck in terms of the money mm. you spend. It's two days with incredible people. You're learning amazing life skills. You're dancing. You're having fun. Endorphins are firing. But we have to kick people out. It's 10 o'clock at night on Sunday and we have to mm. kick people out because we're like, we want to go home. Yeah. They, they all want to stay here. And like it does more... We've had a lot of people who've had their problems solved and a lot of mental health have been solved through it. But it's not through talking about mental health. It's just by giving them a good purpose. space environment, giving them purpose, teaching them skills. And these skills will help with their mental health. It's not going, so what do you do when someone threatens to kill themselves? Or what do you do when you're feeling depressed? It's not that literal. Absolutely. It's like a byproduct by doing the workshop. And that's exactly like I've spoken to you off air. What my workshop I really yeah. try and create it around is like, if you live by these strong values, the byproduct's good mental health. Mm. And so often, like I start my workshops talking about like one in five Australians will be diagnosed with a mental illness but five in five of us have mental health. Mm. And I think we forget that. So I try and encourage students to develop simple skills that we can all develop from mindfulness, gratitude, empathy, um, kindness, and responsibility. And responsibility is the biggest one because I feel like so often kids nowadays like aren't willing to take responsibility for stuff. Mate. All of people in general aren't willing to take responsibility. Mate, and they're full of excuses. Mm. There's a, have you, you heard me talk about a two brothers story? Nah. There's a story of two brothers, right? And so you got two brothers. Oh, I, did, I have heard this. Yeah, yeah, I'll just say it again. They're like eight years old and they're growing up and their dad loses their job. And the GFC, well, no, he lost his job for some reason. And it took him about a year and he just couldn't find another job. Another year goes by, he turns to alcohol, he starts drinking, he becomes very abusive. He becomes a very horrible father. He abuses the, the mother. When the boys are old enough, they stand in front of him. They take the beatings mm. for her. They have a very rough upbringing. Um, now, one brother went to a liquor store, held the guy at gunpoint, and robbed the guy and he ended up doing 10 years for a crime like that. Um, the second brother married his childhood sweetheart, had a pretty good life, and he's earning $150,000 a year back in the day is like $300,000. Mm. So he's doing quite well. And a journalist found the story and found two brothers, exact same upbringing, but two completely different outcomes. Why mm. is this? So she went to interview them. She goes to the brother number one in prison. She like p- picks up the phone and says, how did you turn out the way that you did? And he slams his fist on the table and says, how could I turn out any differently with a father like that? Mm. Okay, she goes to the other brother, hits record, 
you know, has a coffee, sits down with him in his home and says, how did you turn out the way that you did? And he says, how could I turn out any differently with a father like that? Same response. And so they had completely two different mindsets. One mm. took responsibility and ownership and they went, you know what? I'm not going to be like my father. I'm going to learn from that. I'm going to do better. The other one didn't take responsibility, made excuses and just let that take the trajectory of his life. And like the mindset around it, like I'll give you another really good analogy with it too. So there's a tiger and a deer both running through a field, both to survive. The tiger's running to catch the deer to eat. The deer's running to run away to survive. Mm. And the tiger and the deer are both running hard out. And the deer takes a sharp cut to the right and the tiger slips in the mud. The deer gets away. The tiger goes home, sharpens his claws. The tiger doesn't go, oh, my upbringing wasn't right. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. my fins on my surfboard weren't right. No, no, no. The tiger goes home, sharpens his claws and come back the next day. Mm. So when you take a point on yourself, what's going on in your life, and you take ownership on what's going on, mm. then you're going to be taking over your life and controlling your life. And I really like using that. It's like, be like the tiger. Go home, sharpen your claws, come back better the next day. Don't try and blame it on something else. Don't be like, oh, the mud was too slippery. Yeah. No, like the tiger's not thinking about that. The tiger's just thinking about the next day, coming yeah. back, being a bit better. And that's animals. Like there's that quote, and it's like, humans are the only species on earth that will settle for less than they possibly can. Mm. A tiger is going to keep going until it dies. Any animal is going to keep going and keep going until they die. Mm. Humans just give up after a minor inconvenience. Yeah. As you mentioned, they go, oh, the mud was wet. I'm not going to bother. Exactly. Then you starve to death. For the, in, the light, in the tiger's case. But like as humans, we, we can. We have way too many exits. Mm. You've probably heard me talk about the Jesse, the guy who sat around yeah, the world. Yeah, we talked about this on my podcast the other oh, day. Oh, did we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I've already mentioned on this podcast, but again, when he was asked, how come you were able to su- succeed when so many people aren't? He said, well, actually, I gave up lots of times. I gave up lots and lots of times, but as soon as I started swimming, uh, as soon as I started sailing, yeah. it'd take three weeks to get to land. The sun would come out, I'd feel better, and I'd give up. And he says a big reason I was able to succeed was because we had no exits. Yeah. And I believe young people have way too many exits now. Absolutely. And they do. Dude, COVID, I'm so sick of it. COVID has made people have every excuse in yeah, the book. They just want to stay at home. They become introverted. Oh, I'm not really social now due to COVID. So mm. what, you just stay inside for the rest of your life? Yeah. It's like, it's really frustrating. Young people are dropping the ball big time, yeah. which means if you're young and you're listening to this, competition there's never been less competition i swear it's so easy to stand out as a young person i'm sure you've seen it oh just go have a go like the idea of like and this is same with like you know this like with podcasting like so many people have ideas but don't execute on them and my like even we're starting the good human factory i'm like i'm a young pro surfer with no qualifications in anything to do with public speaking i actually got told when i was like 16 years old i remember it so clearly by one of my team managers from who I was sponsored by. We went out to dinner and there was a bunch of like kind of high profile other surfers and execs for the business and we're sitting around the dinner table and I tried to tell a story and I kind of got a bit flustered and stuck telling the story and we're driving home in the car that night and he was like, dude, you suck at telling stories. Don't tell stories anymore. And no I was way. like, oh, at Who's the time, that? it cut me so hard. Who says that? I mean, what a dick I mean, thing to yeah, say. Anyway, back then, but look, whatever, that's, that's dick stuck thing with you for 10 years. Well, that was him kind of his way of. But in his mind, like, I've got the perspective. He was probably just trying to stick out. He was probably just trying to cover his own ass, being like, fuck, you look like a bit of a dickhead in front yeah, of yeah. like the execs. But anyway, looking back, but now I kind of like use that as a big driver. I'm like, mm. look at me now. I've got a podcast that is doing pretty well. I've got a speaking company. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've kind of used that as a driver. And you can either use those things that come up in your life that are, could be seen as setbacks, as opportunities or setbacks. And I've really taken on from this book that I read called The Confidence Gap by Russ Harris. Mm. And it talks about that the act of confidence comes before the feeling of confidence. Yes. And so often people are waiting for that feeling before they do anything. 
But it's like anything. It's like public speaking is more feared than death. Mm. But if you just get up there and start, once you're doing it, it's actually not that bad. Yeah. And so many people aren't willing to start because they're waiting for that feeling of confidence. But so often the act has to come before the feeling. Well, they have the perception, you know my quote, the hero and the coward are the same fear, mm. but the hero does it anyway. Yeah. They have the perception that the hero in, in this metaphor doesn't have the fear exactly. and can just speak confidently. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I mean, now when I get on stage, sure, I don't have as much fear as I did. That's only because I've done it a lot now. Exactly. And I still have like, am I going to stuff up and stuff? But yeah, when my, the first time, I was shitting myself. I was nervous. I was taking deep breaths. I was like, am I going to, I don't know if I'm going to get up there and just completely flunk. Mm. But then it went well. And that kind of excites me though now. It does, it yeah. It kind of excites me like, how am I going to perform? And like, at very worst, it's like, oh, well, I tried something. It didn't work. Yeah. It's like, and, well, that's a mindset to approach, right? We talk about the comfort zones. Mm. So everyone's in the comfort zone, Absolutely. right? And so if you step out of your comfort zone, you've got two choices. You can either push through it or you can step back into it. Mm. And what do most people do in life? Step back in. Or you can drag in. the comfort zone bigger around like the comfort well, zone. by stepping out constantly, your comfort yeah, zone expands. Drag. Exactly. But so. like when we ask the audience, we say, and when you step out of your comfort zone, your heart starts racing, you're sweating. What are some emotions you feel? And they say anxiety, stress, overwhelm, all these words. And then I go, are they positive or negative words? Majority of them were negative. So we're saying, if you have a negative association with stepping mm. outside your comfort zone, why would you ever do it? Okay, but what if you were to push through it? What if you were to push through your comfort zone? How do you feel once you've got off stage, once you've played that instrument, once mm. you've pushed through it? I feel relieved, empowered, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, exhilarated. It's positive like- or negative? Positive. Okay, so now you're saying you have a positive association with stepping outside your comfort zone. Mm. Do you think we're more likely to do it? So what we've done here is we've switched the association of being negative, so now it's positive. And then we say, now every time you step outside your comfort zone and push through it, is it going to be successful? No, you might fail, you might succeed. But whether you fail or succeed, as you mentioned, you're going to have a level of growth. Mm. And that's what you should be aiming for, especially while you're young. Just aim for the growth, not for the outcome. Because by growing, that's going to give you the outcome. And I also love like, even with workshops now, I did a workshop the other day and like four people showed up and there's meant to be like 40. And it's like, I used to, like, if that happened to me like five years ago, I'd sit there and dwell on that for so long and be like, oh, you idiot, you idiot. And now I'm just like, why am I going to like stay in this part of my life? when I like always want to be moving forward. I like mm. to think of life as almost like a treadmill. And it's like, if you're not walking against that treadmill, you're going to stand on it. And it's going to shoot you out the back and yeah, you're nice. going to get screwed up. So it's like trying to be aware that you always have to be like moving forward. Like uh, there's a good Kevin Hart quote a couple of weeks ago that was viraling, I mean, spiraling around TikTok or somewhere. And he was kind of talking about like, I don't have time for like to get caught up on like somebody saying something to me that is negative, like a bit of criticism. It's like, that's in that moment that it happened to me. It's going to stay there. Mm. Why am I going to let that like carry with me? And it's just going to slow me down through my life. It's like, sweet. It's like putting rocks in your backpack. Yeah, literally. It's It's so true though. And so many people suffer from this when they go to a party and then they go home that night and they just think about everything they said. And we all do it. And I do it as well. But like, I don't, I definitely don't do it that bad, but we were talking with these girls one time. They're like, yeah, I go home and I sit in bed for like two hours thinking about everything I said. I'm like, that sounds awful. And they're like, it is. And I'm like, how do you, you gotta, you gotta stop that. Mm. Like, cause fact is if it's in the past, it's in the past. You can't exactly. change it. The only thing you can do is make sure you don't do it again. Exactly. That's the only thing to look forward in the future. And that's a big issue. And I think that's, it's a byproduct of social media and mm. the fact that we feel like we're being watched and you have to tiptoe around everything you do. But yeah. that is a huge reason why those two girls had high levels of anxiety. Yeah. If you overthought about every single thing you do, of course you're going to have anxiety. Exactly. And that's again, not their fault. Mm. It's just a byproduct of the world that we're in, but it's like, how do we fix it? Yeah, it's it's so interesting, the whole, like, anxiety thing. Like, up until, like, 10 years ago, anxiety, like, wasn't a thing. And yeah. it's, like, now that – and I feel like that's a lot of the um, problem with the mental health industry is, like, 
this whole like trigger around like mental health break the stigma it's like mental health has got this stigma that mental health is mental illness and mm. it's completely not whereas any time you mention mental health people think Negative. even if you say good mental health that usually think makes people think oh he's had bad mental yes. health to be able to get to good and it's like well no i'm just aware of my mental health and it just comes back to self-awareness and not enough people have that self-awareness and like you get that through mindfulness you get that through meditation and stillness and not enough people are doing that. And I think mm. it's so important as a young person to develop that skill or at least be curious. What's it going to be like if I try meditation? Mm. And so many people go, I don't meditate. Do you meditate? Uh, yeah, I try. try. Yeah. I've, I've given it quite a few stints and I really struggle with it because my mind just like races, which is why I need it. Yeah. And that's the thing. My, one of my really good friends is a meditation teacher, um, thing called Mindspo. Mm. And he's like, I meditate for 20 minutes a day. Usually my sweet spot, it takes me between 12 to 15 minutes to, get to actually get my mind slowed. And when I heard him say that as a meditation teacher, I'm like, oh, so many of us go, I can't meditate because I do five minutes of like scatterbrain. Mm. He's like, I do that too. And he's like, you got to think about meditation like there's a big barrel with water in it. And think about every time you're having a thought, it's like you're kicking the barrel and the water's shuddering. Your goal mm. is to make that water still. Mm. And every time you see your hand trying to touch the water, you've got to pull it away and bring mm. your mind back over to the other side. Your hand goes to touch the water, tap it away. And eventually your hand starts not touching the water as much. So it's like you've got two sides of your brain. So when I do mantra meditation, I've got like one side of my brain's going sore on the in-breath, hum on the out-breath. Mm. So just nothing words, but it keeps you anchored. And then the other side's all my thoughts. And every time, like, this side's trying to touch the water, this side touches it, and it brings it to sore hum, and then this one comes back mm. in to touch it, and it's like, eventually, the water goes still, and it does take 12 to 15 minutes, usually. For a pro. Yeah, for a pro. So yeah. the more that we can have this, and he likes to say, there's no good or bad meditators. There's just someone who meditates and somebody who doesn't meditate. Yeah. And, and the more we can, yeah, market it like that, I the mean, more people will actually get more into it. Well, meditation's a classic example because it's like 10 minutes of your day. Like mm. every single person on this planet has 10 minutes in their day. Yeah. Don't care who you are. So if, you, if you're saying you don't have time, it's bullshit. Yeah. I can tell you with absolute confidence. You wake up 10 minutes earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, go to bed 10 minutes later. Like yeah. it's very easy. Um, but it's just one of the things people just can't stick to, including myself. Like I actually love the Wim Hof breathing. Oh, it's it, amazing. It gives me something to do. Yeah. I, I can like focus on the breath and you feel it. And I, I love that kind of tingling that we do. Um, and that's only like 12 minutes yeah. and you can extend it and like yeah. you can feel yourself like when you hold your breath for a minute and a half or two minutes, you're like, oh my God, yeah. I never thought I could do this, but here I am. So I think that's great. But it is a classic example of one of those things. It's like, why can't people just do it? Well, it's, it's creating habits. It's the habits are hard. So like took the words habit stacking. I don't know if you've heard of habit yeah, stacking yeah, before. Habit James stacking. Clear, Atomic yeah. Habits. Anyway, so. A great book, by the way. Yeah, amazing book. Make sure you get that. Um, but so now what do I do with like breath work? I used to like, and I was speaking to my friend Alex Hayes about this yesterday, trying to find the time to do my Wim Hof. Now I'm like, I like, like I used to always snooze my alarm. And now I'm like, instead of snoozing my alarm for like nine minutes, I'll wake up and I can still lie on my back, but mm. I put the Wim Hof on and I do like the 17 minute one. And like, now I can do like three to five minute breath so, holds yeah. on empty lung. Same. And well, not I'll, five, but five is huge. I can do like three minutes. Yeah. It's like crazy. But because I'm a surfer, I've kind of had for to sure. do breath work for ages. Yeah. But anyway, so now I wake up and like to stack it on top of my habit instead of um, getting straight out of bed, if I want to still like give myself that extra 20 minutes of lying in bed, I'm like, all right, let's actually actively do something. So I put this 17-minute Wim Hof on, put it next to my pillow, just lie on my back and just actively wake myself up by doing this breathing. And then I mm. feel like I've ticked a goal. Sick. And it's just like, sweet, I've got my extra 20 minutes that I wanted in bed, but I've ticked off my mm. Wim Hof breathing for the day. And then it was funny you touched on like finding like the time and the accountability. So 
I've got this thing with the good human factory called the 1% good club. Mm. These are accountability groups. So you're 95% more likely to stick to something if you have an accountability group. Yeah. And what I learned from that was I was like, I'm the, I've got a mental health business. I always promote meditation, but I'm not doing it. I'm like missing days. I was like, I need the accountability. So I did like Instagram reach out. Like, would anyone want to join an accountability group for um, meditation and then gratitude? Two things that I always talk about are super important, but I wasn't doing them every single day. Mm. So I was like, surely we can dedicate 1% of our day, 14 minutes to our mental health. And like everybody hopefully listening can agree. Yeah, I can dedicate 1% of my day to my mental health. So I started these accountability groups where every morning I send a 10 minute meditation and every night I write three things I'm grateful for. I put it on my story and then I send it to these groups. And in the last, I'm on day 250 right now. And there's like set, I think there's like 820 members in the group now. Yeah. And every day they get the meditation and every mo- night they get the, do their gratitude. I think the other last week I like do it for my podcast. They had like 2,400 gratitudes written in for the week. That's awesome. So it's like just having that accountability group help. So yeah, anyone out there listening, yeah, send sure. um at the good human factory a dm and i'll add you into i need to join that as well yeah you should i'll put you in one it's yeah. it's super interesting it's like and there, there's like right now there's 30 groups and that you'll like this as well from like a content sort of point of view normally people go oh why don't you just do it in one the logistics sounds like a nightmare and i'm like i tried to do facebook group and it didn't work so what i've noticed by having these micro communities of 30 people mm. they read the gratitudes of the same 30 people every day right so people are supporting each other like oh i've had a bit of a bad day i'm going through something you get like 15 people right back going like oh i'm so sorry like there's anything that i can do mm. i've had like people everyone's complete strangers when they get put in the group i've had people like meet up and like are best yeah, friends yeah. now from it yeah. it's so weird that like like your thousand dollars thing if you just put your hand up and say yes and go you know what i might try this i might be curious about this one percent club i might get added into it yeah you might get into a group that's not active but you might get in one way you become best friends with people well that was like with um the five thirty club for me mm. i i'd actually i'd actually because i knew the guys who started it I, I didn't know of them but i had mutuals and they're kind of in the area where i lived in cronulla and um so i kind of knew about just never thought anything but then my friend was like oh, I had kind of mentioned to him, I was like, dude, I just feel like I don't have that many friends in this space. Like, mm. I want people who are doing cool stuff. Yeah. He was like, join a 530 club. It's changed my life. And I was See. like, what's this? He was, I was like, all right, I'll do it. Like, I'll, at, this, at this point in my life, I was like, I'll do anything. Yeah. I didn't care. And so I was like, all right. So one morning, I remember I was like super nervous when I went to sleep. I was like stressed because I, <laughs> I was going by myself. I had to wake up at five. To get, it was a half hour drive. So I had to wake up at like 4.55. So I woke up, I went there. It was fine. There were some people there. met them, read my book. Then I went the next day. Then I went the next day. And then a week later, this guy, Ori, comes. And I didn't think anything of it, but he turns out he started the program. Nice. And then we became, like, best mates. Then we started going to the gym together every morning. We've help, helped each other without all the stuff. I'm now helping run the company and all these other things. That all just came because I said yes to going that one morning. That's sick. And it's like, imagine if I didn't, if I was just like, no, nah, I'm tired. Surely you've read the 5 a.m., 5.30 club. I actually Is haven't. Robin Sharma. Yeah, yeah, I actually haven't. And it's, it's a sick book. I know it's a sick book, but I just... I feel like I don't need it. Like yeah. I, I wake up every morning at 5.45. He's a great author. I think he did The Monk Who Sold the Ferrari too. I love, it's like self-development, but in a storytelling. Yeah, I should read it. It's that's, really interesting. That's why I, I want to write my book. Yeah, I've read a lot of great self-development books that are like very sciencey. Yeah. Whereas his ones are like, it's like reading a story, but through the story, like you're learning through mm. the storytelling. the best way to which learn. Which is great. Like The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari is really interesting too. Yeah. Just like, uh, I should definitely read it. But I've... You know, yeah, so I thought because of the five thirty club that would. Yeah. Have, I'm sure, that's probably where it started from. I'm sure that a few people must have read that book because it's like, yeah, all about that, like finding that time at the start of the day. Yeah, that's yeah. it, and that's what the five thirty club is all about. Mm. So I actually haven't read the book, but I should read it. But I don't know if I need it. Yeah, it, it just yeah, you already I already do it. it. So yeah. like a lot of people read the book because like I want to wake up. Yeah, 
But um, yeah, that, so that I mean, that was a great example of just saying yes to something. Absolutely. So, and that's not my issue. So many people don't say yes. Even I mentioned you about this property opportunity I yeah. presented. I'll just say it. I don't care if they're listening. But like I had 25 people, some of my closest friends, some of the people that I respected most as young yeah. people who had said they were interested. I put it out to a, a bunch of people. I said, hey, I've got this opportunity. Who's interested? Um, I, you, I, I can help you get a property in Sydney. You don't need to have a huge amount of savings or like a massive income. I can help you. Mm. Um, we put on a workshop and one person came and I was like, oh, it, it's, that was the, that one hurt more than any others. Especially I've when you're trying to do something to help your friends. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, are you, I don't know. What do I yeah. say? Like, I just got it. I was like, I'm literally trying to help you get a property. Mm. Something that you probably think is unachievable. And these people just go and no one showed up. Um, well, one person showed up, <laughs> yeah. but, it, and they were people that I, thought were good quality and they are still good quality that isn't show up some might have been busy blah 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 but it's like very frustrating and it just highlights if you just show up Mm. it was three things we say and i say just show up yeah stay in the race and do more than is asked of you Mm. if you do those three things you're going to go so far in life first of all very few people show up second of all very very few people stay in the race and then the one percent do more than is asked of them that's like podcasting it's like we talked about the other day it's like what, 85% of podcasts don't get past seven episodes and it's like the audience have done thing. It's like trying to just give everything that extra couple percent and that usually gets you past so many because people just give up because they have exit strategies. Like, Well, they say if you give 100% effort, you'll get 100% return. mm. If you get 99% effort, you'll get 50% return. mm. If you follow what I mean by that. Yeah, yeah. Like you have to give like 100, we say 110%, mm. which, you know, doesn't exist, but it's that (laughs) mindset of just going... Because 110 doesn't exist. Absolutely. Because it's like, if you get told to do this, do extra. Exactly. Yeah. It's like with the podcast, it's like my sort of journey through my podcast was like, I was with Podcast One for a while and I'd like give them the um, audio and they would edit it, they would create the assets. And like, I was kind of not disappointed with the assets. Like, looking back at them now, they're so different to what I do now because mm-hmm. I've been super inspired by what you do. But I'm like, if I want to actually grow, I can either complain about what they're doing or I can take it on myself. And I said to him, I was like, I want to go to two episodes. I mean, I want to go to one episode a week. I was on fortnightly and I was like, it's not growing at the mm. rate that I was hoping for. Cause it's just hard with no consistency. It's hard. Whereas now I've taken on way more workload. I took it off and made it more independent. I'm working with some guys, but they kind of just help with sponsorship side of stuff. But now I do like all the editing, all the assets. That's, I feel like now that 110%, but now I'm seeing this growth on a like trajectory that is going to get to the place that I want to be at mm. with, kind of the people listening and it's like once you go like instead of complaining you can it's like like before like being like the tiger it's like i'm not gonna be the guy going oh like oh i wish they were doing more for me it's like no i'm gonna be like i'm gonna go home sharpen my claws get better at my craft learn the editing a bit better Mm -hmm. look at other people read other people's work that's doing well mimic it in my put my own spin on it and then you're gonna go far in life whereas people like give it there what they think is their all. It doesn't work. And instead of shifting and like taking these different paths, like if you looked at like a tree of your whole life, like there's so many different paths you can yeah. take, whereas people kind of get to one spot and they go, oh, comfortable, I'll stay here. Yeah, it's a comfort zone thing. And mm. the whole, if that's if, the, if that's the one thing you did as a young person or as anyone is just take responsibility and accountability. Mm. Like that brother's story, right? Yeah. To finish off that brother's story, the story's finished. But what we say is, you either live above the line or below the line. Yep. And brother number one lived below the line. He blamed yep. 
people. He made excuses and he lived in denial. Yeah. Brother number two lived above the line. He took accountability for his actions. He took responsibility and he took ownership. Mm. And it's like in life, just take accountability, responsibility and ownership for everything. And yeah. here's the important thing. It, it's not, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. It's not about right or right, mm. wrong. It's about outcome. Absolutely. You were correct. Podcast one wasn't doing what you needed them to do. Mm. So you could easy to say, yeah, it's their fault. It is their fault. But by but. saying it's their fault, it doesn't achieve anything. Exactly. And it's everything in life. I even saw this TikTok video of this guy and he was saying, you know, it's interesting how in America we blame the individuals for being overweight. We say, oh, this, everyone's overweight. There's all these issues. They're lazy. And corporations it's, it's true. Food out into but them. that's his point. He said, but why aren't we putting a highlight on the corporations who make money by making us addicted to all this stuff? Here's the thing. I, complete, I 100% agree with this video. Everything he said was true. But if that's your belief... You're giving so all the power to the corporations. Exactly. And you're saying, well, I'm just going to sit here and wait for the corporations to fix their problem. They're not going to. Mm. If you take accountability and ownership and responsibility now, look, it's true. Yeah. It's true the corporations are at their Absolutely. fault. But you're still in control of your health, exactly. as you know. And you can control what you eat. Yeah. One thing I came up with this line, I don't know if I heard it somewhere, but I'm pretty sure it was something I came up with. But it was maturity is when you stop blaming. Yeah. I know so many people who are far older than me that just try and find a blame for everything and an yeah. excuse for everything. And I just love that line of like maturity is when you stop blaming mm. and like you can be exactly, it's just taking responsibility and accountability. So the earlier you can listen to that mindset and the earlier that you can mm. take on that, that like maturity is when I stop blaming, that's when you can really start yeah, taking over your life and not actually trying to find excuses for stuff. It's like, yeah, it's like you growth. can always blame something. Oh, always. It's like growth and fixed mindset. Yeah. And then, do you know what's funny? That, that flip chart we draw, draw up above the line, below the line, it's called. We draw about 60 flip charts to empower you. This is, we've polled our audiences, that's number one flip chart. Yeah. That idea. I just explained it to you. That key yeah. idea of accountability, ownership, responsibility, or living below the line. Yeah. And so whenever you think, am I, is this above the line or below the line? It's a good metaphor because like mm. I'm either above the line or below the line. Absolutely. And everything you've just kind of said, like when you, got the, when you lost your sponsor, it's like, if you live below the line and you wanted to make excuses, you could justify not being a surfer anymore. I could have quit you, and you got, got a full-time job and just been like, oh, sweet, I had my chance. Mate, there's unlimited excuses you could have made, mm. but you didn't. And you went, all right, how can I grow from this? How can I overcome this? And if anything, it probably made you stronger. Absolutely. And so that idea, that one idea is so valuable when it comes to young people, especially because they're just so full of excuses. Like, yeah. I'm sick of it. So if you're listening <laughs> to this, don't, don't be full of excuses. Like, take the change. Just find the way. It's honestly as simple as a mindset shift. Just now that's on your front of mind, and whenever you're doing something, was that an excuse? Mm. Was that an excuse? And the thing is, the key point, as I mentioned, even though it's true, yeah, it's hard. It's yeah. like I'm trying to, I like this kind of like analogy of like be like water. Like, think about like a drop of water going down like a stream. Mm. If it runs into a rock, it finds a way. No matter what, it just goes further down the stream. It's like the more you can be like water and be malleable and actually mm. try and like move your way around stuff. Like it's like, I don't know. I just feel like whenever I get stuck in a situation, I'm like, be like water. How can I find my way past this? What looks like a roadblock. There's always a way past. There's always a yeah. way to overcome. And if you had no rocks or no roadblocks, you probably wouldn't be that satisfied in life because you haven't gone through any struggle. Exactly. It's like what any movie, any video game, you basically the whole movie is the character going through a struggle, mm. figuring it out. The whole video game is you solving stuff, figuring it all out. That's the fun part. Exactly. If all you did was just have an easy life and nothing came, then you wouldn't appreciate it. They yeah. say like in order to appreciate the highs, you have to have the lows. Absolutely. Because by having the lows, you now appreciate the highs. Oh, I swear, like gratitude is so important. Yeah. And it's like such a powerful mindset when it comes to mental health. Like my dad said to me so much when I was a kid, appreciation, not expectation. Appreciation, not expectation. Mm. And at the time I didn't realize what he was talking about. I remember it's funny. I went to watch my sister play netball one day and, 
I was like, can I have five bucks to go get a Magnum at the canteen? And he'd give me a dollar every time. And he'd be like, go get an icy pole. And I'd be like, he's such a scab. And he'd be like, come on, mate, appreciation, not expectation. Yeah. And now I know he was just talking about gratitude. Gratitude is just like looking at what you've got compared to what somebody else doesn't have mm. rather than looking at what they've got compared to what you don't have. And it's like such a simple mindset shift. And then you can really make such positive changes. Like, And a good way to like habit stack that that I talk to the kids about at my um, workshops, I'm like, what's something that you do every single day? And everyone, and I go, does everyone brush their teeth? Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah. So I'm like, when you're brushing your teeth at night, remember this. While you're looking in the mirror, instead of thinking like, oh, what's going on tomorrow? Think back to your day and think, what are three things that went well during my day today? Mm. So while you're brushing your teeth, use that as a trigger. Use that as that habit stack. Like, all right, I'm brushing my teeth. I've got a minute right now. What are three things that went well during my day? That's a great one. And it can be so simple. Like, it doesn't have to be like, a massive achievement it can be like oh i ate this bit of food today and it tasted good i had this really nice conversation i literally yawned today and it made me feel really good i sneezed and it tickled my throat and it felt good like you don't have to look for big things you just have to think back to moments that were good in your day and then it just changes that mindset and it's funny because i think when a lot of people have a feeling down that maybe not depressed but they could be depressed or they've got issues and they go how do i get out of it it's like it's not going to be a big thing. It's going to be the small things. Mm. Everything in life is the small things. How do you achieve a big goal? It's just habits compounded over time. Absolutely. How do you get out of something like that? It's like little gratitude. If you start saying it every day, exactly. go for a walk once a day, start slowly, it's going to start pulling you out mm. along with seeing a therapist once a fortnight. Like all these little things can compound to help pull you out of this. And so it might sound stupid, like, oh, say three things I'm grateful for. Why? What's the point? Well, first of all, it takes you one minute. Yeah. And second of all, if you're doing it every single day, that's a lot of things. And you, the other thing is you're switching your brain on. Exactly. To look. Here's the cool thing about doing the gratitude yeah, thing, exactly. as I'm sure you would say. Next time, you're going to struggle the first time you do it. So the next day, you're going to be consciously looking for things to be grateful for exactly. so that you can say it or put it in your diary or whatever. Exactly. So throughout the day, you're going to, oh, that could be my gratitude journal. That could be what I say when I'm brushing my teeth. So you're going to start noticing, great, be grateful for everything throughout the day and that's the amazing thing with that one percent good club that i was talking about before because in these groups people are reading everybody else's gratitude it's giving them ideas and people have literally written in the group like i'm so grateful for this group it's like i was going through a bit of a shit day today and i realized i got to remember my gratitudes for today so they were trying to find little things in a bad day to make them feel a bit better and that was something that was like oh it's so powerful Mm. and another thing as well with that with like trying to make yourself feel good when you're having a bad day and i love talking about this is in the Western world, we have retail therapy. Like if you're having a bad day, go and buy yourself something nice. Mm. I was in Japan a couple of years ago and I lost in this surf comp. Me and a few of the boys lost really early in Tokyo. And we like went into Tokyo and bought ourselves a bunch of electronics and thought this will make us feel better. And we came back and we're speaking to this guy making a sushi. And we're like, he's like, oh, how's your day? And we're like, oh, it's been all right. We lost in the surf comp. So we went into Tokyo and like bought ourselves some stuff. We're all like happy now. And he's like, oh, you guys have got it all wrong in the Western world. And we're like, what do you mean? He's like, you guys have retail therapy go and buy yourself something nice when you're having a bad day and he's like no 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 no. what we say here in japan is when you're having a bad day go and do something nice for somebody else that'll actually make you feel good wow so it's this idea of like retail therapy western world like marketing advertising or acts of service in kind Mm. of the different cultures around the world and that's how they feel good and that's like a big inspiration of mine's jay shetty his book think like a monk is incredible like the idea of acts of service is actually how you feel good and that's Mm. what we should be aiming for it's like do you want to like think you're feeling good by buying yourself something nice or do you want to feel good by doing something nice and that's the whole issue with what you kind of mentioned a lot of people go to university to study a degree that they don't want to do then they go into a job that they're not that happy with but because they're getting money and everything externally 
and their status has been raised because they're a lawyer, a doctor, engineer, whatever it is, they feel like they should be happy. But it's like, no, you're not internally happy because internal happiness comes from, as you mentioned, giving back, mm. contribution, absolutely, love and connection, you know, certainty, variety. These are the six human needs that help you have internal happiness. So that's really, really important. And it's, it's, it's a good story, the Japan one. Because, yeah. yeah, it is. You know, you should be buying yourself gifts when you've, if you won the comp yeah. as a reward for yourself. exactly, And it does, it, it's a huge thing. Like retail given, therapy is just like... I've actually never even heard. I've you've just, never heard the concept retail uh, therapy? I think I've heard of it, but I, I've like never It's like girls when they're having a bad day, they're going to buy and right, sell something right, right. nice. But, and, and what I put it down to was yeah, very kind of... Cliche. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so like, but I put it down to like, it's not our fault. We've literally like, look around. Everything is advertising, marketing. When you get this, then you'll be happy. Buy mm. this and you'll be happy. Like... We've literally got the best psychologist in the world trying to trick our brains mm. into making us think this is going to make you happy. It's all already here. It's the when, isn't it? Mm. Everyone's when a I, when I, when it's I, when I. I. There's a, I think I said on your podcast, yeah. it was like, when I, it's like, I want to get $10,000. Mm. It's when I get $10,000, I'll be happy. You got to switch it. Mm. When I'm happy, I'll get $10,000. And it, whatever, insert whatever you want. I want, I want to get this job. When I get this job, I'll be happy. Mm. When you're happy, then you'll get the job. Absolutely. That's a byproduct. And so don't focus on when, 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 when. Everyone's saying when. It's like, it was like, you what know. What are you waiting for? Well, it's like, you yeah. know, when the kid is waiting, oh, when I'm a teenager. And the teenager goes, when I'm an adult. And then the adult goes, when I, oh, you know, 18 year old goes, when I finish school, when I, when I get my degree, when I get my master's, mm. when I get married, when I get my first home, when I get my first car, blah, blah. It keeps going on until they, you know, the old man looks over his shoulder to see that. His life's kind of gone by and he's never been internally happy because it's just been when, 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 when. Like it's so, so important because like there's this famous story of a tree, one of the, the longest living trees. And it was something like thousands of years this tree was here. It was huge, this massive tree. It got, like, they can't be certain, but studies have shown and scientists have shown that it, it got hit about 18 times by lightning. Uh, 18 lightning strikes survived like six thunderstorms, hurricanes, tornadoes. This thing went through everything. The thing that took it down was a small amount of termite creatures that managed to get inside the tree. And over about 10 years, they slowly ate away the inside of the tree until it collapsed. And often in life, it's not the big things that take us down, Mm. but the little things over time. Absolutely. I actually saw a really good video recently. And it's like a guy's holding a cup of water and he goes, how heavy is this cup of water? And people go, I don't know, like a kilo or two. And he goes, think about it as if it's a cup of water. I'm holding it right now. Yeah, it's a kilo or two. After an hour, my arm's going to get pretty sore. Sure. After four hours, it's not going to feel like a kilo or two. I'm going to barely be able to be holding it up. Mm. After a full day of holding it, my arm's going to be completely sore. I'm not going to be able to hold it. So it might only be a kilo, but it's like when you have these negative thoughts in your mind. If you're holding onto those negative thoughts for more than just momentarily sort of digest them, it's good to have negative thoughts, learn from them, Mm. digest them, and then put them aside. It's like holding that cup of water. If you're trying to hold out a cup of water all day, it's going to kill you yeah they might be something small but the longer that you let it build it's going to become bigger just by the overall overthinking about it well that's like atomic habits right he talks about like everyone has positive associations with habits so you go, oh, habits mm. are a good thing no just as bad it's just as bad what the first thing you do before you make good habits is remove your bad habits mm. and so have a look in your life what are the bad habits you have an easy first one what is the first thing you do when you wake up if it's go on your off. phone and scroll <laughs> or whatever, that's not good. Yeah. Don't hit snooze. Like, I've actually never hit snooze in my life. Good idea. Not to sound like a fucking, I know people really off. Snooze sucks though. It's nine minutes. It's like, I'm going to like turn my alarm off if I know I've got like another 20 minutes. I'll like. Well, I didn't know it was a thing. 
So yeah. I was just like, I've always had the stakes. If I sleep, then I miss out. Yeah. And so yeah, I've just never, I've never hit snooze. Um, it's just, it's just such an easy out. It's that mm. whole quit. You know, if, people, if humans have an opportunity for an out, they'll take it. Mm. Snooze is a perfect example. Exactly. If you have an opportunity to take it, yeah, I'll just hit snooze. Yeah. We love to take an out. Um, so where's I going? Oh yeah, what's the first thing you do when you wake up? Yeah. That's a problem. Good it, spot to start. Yeah. Is it a bad habit? You yeah. know, do you just get out of bed? Morning routine is so powerful. Yeah. Like, I'm when I'm like, yeah, routine. when I'm in like, yeah, when I'm in good routine, like, I mean, ex- if here I am with excuses, but like, I'm like down at my parents right now and it's like not in my environment. Whereas like, if I'm at home and I'm in good routine, I'm like, wake up, do my Wim Hof. I still do that here. But then I'm like, read for 20 minutes, meditate for 10 minutes, yeah, go for like a walk on the beach. And it's like, you feel so good when you start your day like that. And you know, yeah. you do. Yeah. We all like kind of divert from it. Well, it's funny. You feel good every single time. Yet sometimes you question whether you should do it. You exactly. wake up and you're like, it's oh, crazy. should I do it? Even though I know I'm going to feel good because at that moment it's pain, mm. not literal pain, but it's like, oh, I can't be bothered to get up. Yeah. And so, yeah, morning routine is super important. I have that association with yoga. I'm like, every time I do yoga, I love it. I get stuck into it for a few weeks and yeah. I'm like, why do I not do this? I know how good it makes me feel. And like, I haven't done yoga in a year right now. So I'm like. It's oh, honestly, same with meditation. Yeah. I haven't done meditation in a while. Um, actually, since I moved out here, I just kind of broke the habit. Yeah. I just, and because I've been doing, um, I've got so much else going on. Again, I can make exactly, excuses. Exactly. It's or, like we catch ourselves out. That's the oh, best yeah, look, thing. I can make excuses, but the fact is I just... Yeah. I haven't done it. Yeah. There's no other, I just haven't priority. I just haven't made mm. a priority in my life. And I think I should, like I'll join your one. Yeah. I'll, I'll add you into one. Cause um, I, I love the Wim Hof thing. Yeah. It's fuck, Wim Hof is so good. That's, wanna, we that's should try favorite. and do like this winter. They do some courses down at Threadbow. Oh, no. Do you know, do you know what's gutting? We, we organize our own cold tree for five thirty club. No we way. had 20 people coming. We had two facilitators trained, not by Wim Hof, by like his organization. Yeah. We're going to go up to Throbo. We're going to walk up Mount Kosciuszko and like underwear. I think that might have been, I was it through your thing. No, I was like, oh, one amazing. of my friends organized it for me, him and my friend Alex Hayes. It was like five grand to do it. And he paid for it for us. Fuck. And then COVID made it not happen. Yeah, same COVID. It might have been the same one. Imagine if we crossed there. Oh my God. Yeah, COVID made it. And it sucked. It might have been the same group We finessed a really cheap deal. Yeah. We were like a thousand bucks ahead. Wow, like 800 sick. or something. Um, so I was pumped. It was going to be a whole weekend, and then it got cancelled because of COVID. Damn, which was going to be five days. I'm spewing back. Oh, five days. Yeah, you know, ours was just the weekend. It was like Friday, yeah. Saturday. I want to try to get over there one day. Alex is like friends with Wim Hof's son. Like he gets sent all yeah, like yeah. the books pre before they come out. So he's like, we might be able to go do it with Wim hey, one day. I'm like, I'll come. Oh, bring I'll me, let you know. Bring me along. Sick. It'd be so fun. It's super scary though. I started doing cold showers to prep for it, <sighs> just because I was like, oh, man, I don't want to get hit hard. Have you this. done any like ice baths? I haven't had done many ice baths. Oh, I just had the opportunity. I had, fr- I had a chest freezer at my house for a year and it would go like negative four. You'd have to crush all the ice nice. off the top of it and like, Hardcore. oh, we did some gnarly ones in the end. Yeah, I want to yeah. do that. It's saying that's the one thing our morning routine because I think I told you about we go to the hotel nearby. We've yeah. got this sick morning routine with like a, a gym, a th- sauna, steam rooms, a pool, a spa. Then we sit by the pool and do work and everything. We're like, the one thing that's missing we just need an ice bath. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, damn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, ice bath finale. But one last thing I wanted to talk about quickly about like service and kindness. Yeah. So I started, did a course last year. Yale University put out this like short course called The Science of Wellbeing. And one of the studies that they had, it's like literally shows that kinder people are happier people. There's a lot of data that comes to back that up. Doesn't surprise me. So they gave like a <laughs> thousand people. $20 and they said, and they gave them a happiness test in the morning and at night. And they said, you can spend this $20 on yourself or you can spend it on somebody else. At the end of the day, 900 people spent it on themselves, bought themselves lunch or whatever. And a hundred people took somebody else out to lunch. Who do you think rated higher on the happiness test? The 100. And it's not to say that you have to go and buy something for somebody else. It's more so that the people who are willing to like 
give somebody something else, something of theirs, yeah. a rating higher on happiness tests. So there's like, they had hundreds of all these different examples, but that one stuck out to me. And it's like, it's so powerful. The idea that kind of people are happier people. Yeah. Well, one of the things we do at Empower You is we could talk about a GV, which is a gratitude video. Just send one gratitude video a week or a day or yeah. something, whatever you can figure out how to do. And it's just pull out your phone, shoot a video. Hey, Cooper, it was so great having you on the podcast. You're so, you inspire me. You're such a legend. Just want to let you know that, um, yeah, you inspire me, blah, 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 whatever. Have an amazing day. Bang, pop it off on Instagram. One so take. Easy. So easy to do. Now, you might be, oh, I'm not as good as you on camera or whatever. Fine. Takes you three or four takes. Yeah. Takes you three minutes instead of one minute. It still doesn't take much time and the impact that can have. Something else, when I was driving in Canberra from Power You before COVID, I had like three hours mm. and I was listening to actually Wim Hof. I was listening to yeah. his book and then I just kind of got, I was like, oh, I'm kind of done with this. I'll take a break. And then I just started calling people. Yeah. And I was talking for 20, 30 minutes and people I hadn't spoken with in ages. It's so good. And I was like, why don't I do this more often? It's, I try and do that too. It's funny enough. I was listening to your podcast and you, for some reason, have a really similar voice over podcasts as one of my best mates, this guy, Adam, who's a really good drone pilot. And I was like, oh, I haven't spoken to Adam in ages. Yeah. And after hearing your voice, after your episode <laughs> finished, I was like, I'm going to call Adam. And I called him. He was like, man, you know how much it meant to me? Like, I haven't like yeah. seen you in ages. It's like those simple little like, it's not even acts of service. It's like being kind is like selfish because it makes you feel better too. I, it it's is. It's like this it? like hack. It's almost selfish. Yeah, it literally yeah. is. But it's like the gratitude videos, as much as it makes that person feel really good. Like in my workshops, I get the kids to fill out a gratitude card and write three things that they're grateful for for somebody and either give it to them. I tell the mm. kids to stick it on their fridge if their parents are going to read it and it's like it makes you feel good by writing the gratitude card it's like mm. this like cheat and then obviously it makes them feel really good so it's like win-win yeah it's a win-win yet we don't yeah. do it and it's so important that we try and like develop those habits around that gratitude kindness yeah. like opportunities everywhere like i like to say whenever i'm like getting served as service station i know all the time like if i'm in a hurry i'm kind of like yeah swipe my card see you later trying to genuinely have those moments of connection and be like oh thank you so much like appreciate it you have a really good day like i always try and end like when i leave somebody like you have a great day mm. just a few words can change somebody's day and yeah. it makes you feel good too yeah absolutely i think it's and even this conversation to have me going i should do it more often yeah exactly like, you just it just reminded you forget you slip so yeah that's that's super important but yeah, man, this has been a great episode. Yeah, and, I feel like um, we just talked about just like... No, uh, I think it's been... I actually really love this episode. But of course, before we wrap up, I'd love to know what would your number one piece of advice be to an 18-year-old today? Oh, number one piece of advice. I really go back to this, the act of confidence comes before the feeling. So many people are waiting for that moment of confidence before taking that leap to do something that they're uncomfortable with, but you're going to be waiting forever. Yeah. Just take that leap have a go at something. If you fail, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You learn something. Yeah. You've got extra information in your toolbox that you sharpen can take into the, yeah, you sharpen those claws like calls. a tiger. So yeah, act of confidence comes before the feeling of confidence. My favorite one. It's a great quote and it's, it links back to the whole when, when, when. Don't be a winner. Mm. Don't wait. Oh, when I have confidence, I'll go up on stage. Yeah. When I have confidence, I'll ask her out. When I, whatever, insert, insert, insert. Mm. No, as you mentioned, the act of confidence comes before yeah exactly Wait, what was it sorry the act, yeah, of, the act of confidence comes before the feeling so you actually have to feeling. go and do the thing and pretend you're confident like it's like fake it till you make it it's like yeah once you're actually doing it you kind of like get in the flow and you're like oh here's that feeling that i was yeah. hoping i was going to get or like that i thought i was waiting for it's like it's not going to come until you actually start doing the thing 100 percent. so yeah but yeah man thanks for coming one. on the show uh for anyone who wants to i mean first of all go listen to my episode on cooper's podcast yeah. if you're interested episode 38 it's episode 38 on the good humans podcast that's yep, what it's called good humans podcast so his company is called good humans the good human factory the good human factory sorry podcast kind of good human if you just search it i'm sure you'll find it yeah. but otherwise where's the best place to connect 
Yeah, I mean, just DM me at Cooper Chapman on Instagram, The Good yeah. Human Factory. If you want to join the 1% Good Club at The Good Human Factory on Instagram, it's a little yellow smiley with a good um, word written on it. But yeah, at the... Um, thegoodhumanfactory.com is where you kind of find yeah. podcast is on there but yeah podcast is its own little separate thing you know what it's like across all platforms just good mm. humans with Cooper Chapman um, yeah lots of just interesting conversations just like this one like yeah. having conversations with people and learning the way that people tick but yeah I'm always willing just like you say to respond to any DMs I love kind of having yeah. people give feedback be curious any feedback's good take on criticism as well it's yeah. nice when we don't agree with each other because that's how we learn so well and if you've made it this far in the podcast like just go message cooper honestly yeah just go do it like it's crazy i always say this i usually say this and then i'll be like you know thousands of people listen to the episode and then they'll get like one or two messages which is still cool but it's like again if you if you listen to this episode and you got something out of it go message cooper or myself yeah just say hey enjoy the podcast or say a message or whatever you want and i'll respond to it i respond to every message it might Absolutely. take me a few days sometimes yeah. but i get to it same. and it means a lot like it, mm. it means a lot i'm sure it will mean a lot to you as well i'm the same it's like you have like five to like i'm on like 800 to a thousand stream listens a day and i'm like oh yeah go leave five stars and it's like you might get like nah, no one does two it. or three a week well, not, and no it's one, like yeah. wait how do like 800 people listen to day and like obviously like it and engage with it and keep coming back but mm. like can't go and take the time so go leave this at podcast five stars yeah, yeah, yeah. i'll do already. a plug for you i'm sure everyone has but yeah i yeah. think the big one as well is subscribing because yeah i find it really interesting with um social media like i feel like most of my traffic must come through my instagram because that's kind of my main source but i'll do like swipe up link clicks and get like five link clicks for my podcasts whereas it gets like 800 downloads a day and i'm like where are these people coming from and i think it's like people are coming actually through like podcast platform and subscribing and like actually engaged in it but don't come back through social media it's weird dynamic yeah it is weird i'm not 100 sure i'm most people come from tiktok for me but then it's still grown from there so it's hard to tell exactly yeah it is really hard to tell but but yeah man thanks for coming on the show guys go reach it reach out to cooper great advice and uh yeah we'll stay in touch yeah thanks for having me thanks man